when should we hire? Right? Oh my, think about all these things. Every single one of those I'm sure applies to you in some way, shape or form at some point. If you are thinking about private practice and you don't want to deal with any of those issues, do not get into private practice. All right, friends, the Ultimate OD Podcast. Today, we're talking about the number one issue I hear from you out there. It's staffing. Staffing, staffing, staffing. How do you staff to grow? How do you staff so you're not inefficient? We want the perfect world. Life isn't perfect. Let me tell you why, but let me also encourage you. You can do this. A little bit of office talk. Choose happiness. Closing thought of the episode. This is the Ultimate OD Podcast. Here we go. Go. All right, friends, the Ultimate OD Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, listening to us, liking us on Facebook, Instagram. Remember, at the Ultimate OD on Twitter. I'm on Twitter. I love to share my thoughts. It's authentically me just putting stuff out there. You kind of see what I go through throughout the day. I'm trying to build that audience. So if you could give me a like, a follow, I appreciate it. Also, if you like this podcast, if you like us on YouTube, I don't care where you're listening, please tell a friend, give us a great review. It helps us grow. I'm always trying to give you more, better content. Send me questions. This episode is based on a listener question. All right. So Dr. Lily at theultimateod.com, send me the questions. It helps me look into stuff. And one the, one of the questions that I got from a listener was, when I'm staffing, what's the balance between staffing for growth and being inefficient and having too many people there, right? It's so hard, is there balance for it? Let's get into this. So that was the question, let me start off. So whenever I ask invariably any of you out there, what do you need help with? What's your biggest problem? I get you know, a couple of answers, staffing is one, Staffing is another, staffing that third time. Staffing is stinking hard. If you don't like dealing with people, if you don't like leading a team, it's even harder. I love managing a team. I love trying to motivate, get more out of my staff. So I think I'm an exception to liking that. Now I hate dealing with staff issues of, are they getting along? Is there any fighting? All these things that come with working with people. Right, we do, we have it on both ends. We work with patients, customers, and we work with staff. Sometimes, don't you wish that you could just go in your room, do work, get paid for it, and go about your day? Like, not have to deal with make a patient happy, not have to uh, make staff happy, and just use your skills, use your abilities, go about your day. Well, guess what, my friends? That is not what you get as a private practice owner. Now we'll get to a point, and I'll, I'll address this later on in the episode, where we can do that, right? Where you can just go do your work and get there, but it takes time, effort, and energy, and you have to start staffing accordingly now. So let's go over some scenarios that we all deal with. Staff is hard to find, right? Staff wants more money than we value them at. We don't wanna be inefficient, so we don't want too many staff, but we also don't want to be understaffed so we can't provide the product that we want. Too hot, too cold, too many, too little. We can't be satisfied. You know what? They have to deal with us too. Our whims, our 
you know, just deciding that we're going to go a whole new route. My opioid management this week, we're going to now be a dry eye practice. Yep, that's me. I do that to my staff, trying to get better. But they have to deal with us too. But also, we don't know what we want. Or we want to grow. When should we hire? Right? Oh, my. Think about all these things. Every single one of those, I'm sure, applies to you in some way, shape, or form at some point. If you are thinking about private practice and you don't want to deal with any of those issues, do not get into private practice. Or have a partner that you agree early on is going to handle all the staffing issues. You better be very good at whatever you do because that is the bulk of managing your business when you first start out. Dare I say, a majority of what you're doing, you're going to be managing your staff. Right, getting them to pull in the right direction, and it's going to reflect on you. Your skills, your abilities as a doctor is going to be dependent on these staff members that you're responsible for training and getting to row in the same direction. Okay, so let me give you four general principles that I, I think about when I'm staffing. Uh, number one, hire from a place of strength rather than a place of need. When you run a lean mean machine and you lose a staff member you're screwed period like the machine is running at optimal efficiency but if there's one little hiccup you're done that is a horrible place to be in because it takes forever i honestly think it takes me about three months to get a hire and six months to get them trained nine months almost a stinking year do they get a staff member to go so if you lose one and you're going at your max efficiency, you're going to have a person that calls in sick. You're going to have a patient or a person that goes on vacation. You're going to have a person that has extended leave or has something happen in life. Now what do you do? You have to hire two people. Really a bad place to be in. I dealt with this all last year. The revolving door of staff that's a problem that is a reflection of you as an owner. I know you don't want to take responsibility for it, but it is because it's kind of your responsibility big time. Your patients expect it. Your other staff members expect it. You should expect it of yourself. Now, I know that if you're a little heavy on staff, the consultants, the critics are going to be like, well, are you 25% of your gross revenue? I don't care what you are. Can you sleep at night? Like I would stay up late losing sleep because I was so short staffed. I will err on the side of being a little heavy rather than a little light. I talked to some of my friends who are going through this right now and they've run a lean, mean, efficient team. They lost a staff member and now they're like, what do we do? Well, you will survive. You'll get through it. Down schedule a little bit, but never put yourself in that position again. Never put yourself in that position again. This is your responsibility. All right. Number two, that staff member that wants more money than you want to give them. All right. Two ways to look at this. Number one, they're not worth it to you. Have a good day. But I ask you this. What would you pay to replace them? You know, how much would they be worth if you are looking to hire and they're the person that came through all the training all the abilities they have the good with the bad you have to take it right the devil i know is better than the devil i don't know right they're 
idiosyncrasies, their nuances. Honestly, you've dealt with this far. Now, I'm not telling you to be a, give them all the power, all the control, but winners know their value and will demand it. You want good people on your team, and if they're doing that, they see something. Now, you make them earn it. Yes, this comes with X, Y, or Z. Don't be held hostage, and if they keep doing this again and again, get them off your team. That's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about a person that is a valuable member of your team. They want a little bit more, and you just say flat no without considering the repercussions of if they leave. Now, again, if you put all your chips in that basket and they leave and your business falls under, once again, look in the mirror. You've made that mistake, right? But if they are that valuable, pay them what they're worth. You'll, honestly, you don't want to be held hostage, but it's better than the alternative, right? It's better than having to find someone of their ability. Now, if you have no trouble finding staff and you can replace them, on your way, kind sir, right? But I doubt that's the case. The people that are demanding more probably are valuable if you really sit back and think about it. Now, again, there's a way to do this. Do not be held hostage. I'm not saying give in to every whim. And if you think it's going to start a cascade of they ask and someone else is going to ask, I'm going to ask you if you really are the leader of your ship, if you have control of this. If the, what do they say, the inmates the inmates are running the asylum. I don't know what the, what the terminology is. But if they're running it and you're not in charge, again, Sorry, not the most fun episode. Look in the mirror. This is something that you have to create, a culture that you have to take care of. Stop blaming them. The environment is the way it is. You have to accept that and make it work for you. That's what the great will find a way to do. Now, pro tip here. I always have multiple people doing multiple things. So more than one person knows our e- EHR, more than one person knows our practice management software, more than one person can train, right? So again, I can very well lose both managers at the same time, but I've cross-trained enough to try to have redundancies so if someone leaves, we don't lose our whole operation. Also, pro tip, Loom, amazing. I'm making all the training videos. I'm having my managers go through and make the training for new hires. Twofold. One, that's going to help the new hires get on board a little bit quicker. We all learn visually, so that's awesome. And then two, if I lose a manager, I still have a way to educate my new hires in a consistent basis that's not eating up my time or someone else's per se. It's making life easier. Three, look at this. Three, it's how you scale systems, right? When you want to scale, you need systems. This is a system. So have redundancies, make videos, back yourself up so no one person is going to make or break your operation. And I honestly would say you need to have backups in case you're out. Because if you're the thing that holds everything together, you have a job. You don't have a business. Have a business. All right. So that goes back to how many people should I have for hiring for growth or hiring for not to be like too inefficient, right? Rule of thumb, for every $150,000 to $200,000 of gross revenue, you should have one full-time equivalent employee, right? That's two part-timers or one full-time equivalent. I err on the side of for every 150K 
Why? Because that leaves me slightly overstaffed. I'm still not horribly inefficient where I'm losing money, but I'm not so lean and mean that if they leave, the whole operation goes off the trip, off the rails, right? So 150 per full time. And honestly, right now I'm very efficient. I'm actually doing, I, I, I can't afford to hire and I'm looking to hire. Hire from a position of strength, not a position of need. Okay, I'll tell you straight to your to your face. I have not been able to grow because I've had to figure this out. I'm trying to save you the headaches that I've went with with understaffing and not just eating it a little bit on the bottom line because I didn't have a clear focused goal of growth. I wanted to grow, and we'll talk about this. Talk this talk about this in a little bit but I didn't want to do the things necessary to grow. Trust me, I'll explain. Lastly, the last thing I think you can do, or that I'll touch on, principles, that is, uh, virtual assistants, I'm slow to the game on this. I plan on hiring one and implementing it of um, in 2024. So I have a few other irons in the fire, but I am putting this stuff in place. I've talked to some of you out there who are doing it. You're telling me right now, why are you waiting till January? I don't know. Give me an email. Give me a pep talk. Tell me why I need to make this move now. You know what? You're probably stinking right. But there's a lot of things that you can offload of a staff member, give them free time, and now they can help your day-to-day operations in the office. Virtual assistants are just a fact of life. They can scribe. They can be admin. They can answer your phones. You have to start embracing this with the way the job market is, the way the hiring process is. This is an easy peasy, lemon squeezy way to go. Okay? So again, I'm preaching to the choir because I need to do the same thing. Let me know your experience if you're doing it right now. But I'm going to jump on the team. I want to be part of your you know, advancement there. I realize I'm behind, but this is the name of the game. This is what we got to get on board for for the upcoming future. All right, so let's explain pros and cons. If you're lean and mean, if you're understaffed, what's the cost to your business if you're understaffed? Number one, you increase the stress level of the people working for you, right? So you don't have enough people to do the job. You ask more of the people that are there, and invariably, they become overworked and underappreciated. You're going to do a couple of things here. Either you're going to burn them out, and they're going to leave, cue revolving door, or you're going to be put in a place where they're demanding more money to make it worth their time. Fine, but then you've set the precedent that that's the bar. When really, if you just hired another person, you can keep the entry level there. You're hurting yourself in the long run by paying them more and being understaffed. How about you get the right people on the bus, get enough people to do the job, make their life easier. Like I said, you increase their stress level, they're going to leave. It's going to be a revolving door. Your culture will be one of just putting up with it as long as you can and then peace. No one wants to deal with that kind of stress, especially for what we pay them as opticians, as front desk workers. Literally, what you're asking them to do demands a lot more. You're not willing to do it because our business doesn't really facilitate those high wages necessarily. I mean, you you can get there if you're really doing it well. Most of us aren't there. So you have 
to make sure their stress level is low so you keep the staff you have. Now, they're stressed, you're losing staff members. Understaffing also leads to a poor product, right? A bad experience for the patients coming in. You're either not gonna be able to deliver the care that you want, or you're gonna fail to follow through on the things that you've promised. Both are horrible because they're gonna associate you, the doctor, with the experience they get from your staff, your office. You are now a bad doctor because of the environment you created. You've also created this negative connotation so they come in and they just expect you to be slow, inefficient, off schedule. That's your brand. Listen to episode 161 about the importance of brand and your socks. Right? And then lastly, how are you even how do you think you're going to grow if you have a crap experience with no staff? The answer, spoiler alert is you're not going to grow. Period. Right? And then guess what? You're in the revolving door of Groundhog's Day. You're burning yourself out and you're sending me emails saying, "Guess what?" I want to get out of this business. How can you help me? Don't be the person sending me the email saying, I want to get out of, the, out of this business. How can you help me? Number one, don't get out of the business. Number two, I can help you, but don't put yourself in that position. Please, if you do, send me an email. We can get there. All right. That being said, what's the opposite of that? Overstaffing. I've been victim to this as well. When I started my second office, I closed that in 2019, right before the pandemic. Uh, just hired a bunch of people. The more the merrier. Let's get us in. You know what happens when you hire a bunch of staff? You increase your overhead and you lose a lot of money. I'm sorry. Money does motivate me to an extent. It should motivate you. And you're just giving it away. And you know what you're giving away for? Crap effort. If you have too many people... You know, many hands makes light work. Too many hands makes no work. They're sitting around twiddling their thumbs, doing nothing. So you know what I did? Same thing you're going to do. You're going to find work for them. You create inefficiencies in your office because you want to keep them busy. Because you don't want to be paying someone to sit there and do nothing. So you create a bunch of inefficient processes that you know what happens when you actually grow? Now our legacy in there and you're like, why was I even doing this? I've eliminated so much over the past three years because I had this legacy policy or procedure in place that I really just invented to make sure they had something to do. Not a great way to earn your business. I don't advise you to do it. I'm trying to save you from my mistakes. Also, let's go over this. The less work they have, the less motivated, the more disengaged. You're trying to build a team, trying to build a culture. You think that... uh unmotivated, disengaged person is going to get on board for your next initiative? Absolutely not. And you know what happens? You have to manage those people. You know what's really hard to manage? Someone that's not really motivated. Your life is now worse. You've hired so many people that life sucks. So how can you win? Too little, life sucks. Too many, life sucks. How do I make life not suck? Well, that should be the title of the episode. How do you make my life not suck? Let me tell you how. All right. Number one, what are your goals? Be honest. Are you trying to grow or are you trying to just make a lot of money? Those are two different things. Believe me when I say that. Growth 
is looking to raise that top line revenue and grow. In a growth phase, your bottom line is going to suffer initially. But you know what we are? We are greedy. We think, you know what? I can see more patients. Put another person on the schedule. Go ahead and fill that exam. I can see I'm not burned out. But you know what you do? You keep getting greedy to get that one more exam, that one more managed care plan because you know what? They reimburse crap, so you overload your staff. And you know what happens to them? They get burned out. If you have an efficient scheduling process, you can keep your staff engaged, active, energized, and not burn them out. But you get greedy. You see that open spot that they use to catch up and get caught up on the day. You're like, you know what? I'm going to fill it with exams. You know what happens to them? They now fall behind. They now get stressed and you're getting that cycle of being other staffed. What are your goals? Okay. Number two, create a culture that facilitates your goals, right? If you are a culture of customer service, you better make sure you are staffing to in such a way that they can provide the service that you are demanding. Now, if you're a turn and burn, get them in, get them out, that's fine too. Just know what your goals are and your culture is, right? But don't lie to yourself and say, I'm, I'm building for growth and not want to spend some money on some staff. You're never going to grow, you're going to burn them out, and you're going to just you're gonna drive yourself nuts, period. So you have your goals, you define your culture, you create your culture. Now, define your roles and make them accountable for what their role entails. That's developing an organizational chart, right? Do you have an organizational chart? Where do you stand? Are they aware of where they stand on that chart and what is expected of them, right? I don't care if they have downtime. If you set the goals, they're meeting them, good, right? If you have goals, they're not meeting them, bad. But they need to know where they stand. Give them defined roles. This helps you not come down on them because they're being lazy. You haven't given them the carrot to chase, right? You have to do this. Give them defined roles with accountable actions to follow up on all right have a good leadership model again how many times have i said in this episode look yourself in the mirror starts at the top are you leading do you have managers in place to get them motivated to get them to do what they need to do i kid you not downtime can always be filled with training you can always get better do you have systems in place where they can go and learn about optical where they can go and learn about dry eye, where they can learn about myopia management. Do you have systems where that downtime is used for a purpose? No, that's on you, right? Staff is going to, they're like that stinking goldfish. They will grow to the size of the bowl you put them in. How big of a bowl have you put them in? How good can they be? What are you willing to do to get them there? All right, and then have good systems right? Systems scale, systems make everything go better. Have systems that facilitates the growth, the environment, what you need, okay? Now, let me break this down in the phases that you're usually in. There's one of three phases that you're in. There's a fourth phase. I can't speak to it because I'm not there. Honestly, I'm trying to get to the third phase. So number one is startup, all right? 
in a startup, you realize you're going to be understaffed because you don't have any money. You're just getting going. You're going to be doing everything in that role from optical to workups, answering phones, dispensing, right? Cleaning a bathroom. When you start, these are the roles you will be part of. That's fine. All right. That's part of growth. But then you'll start to build a patient base, right? You're not going to be the core of the business anymore. You got to get to that growth phase. In a growth phase, you need more help. You need leaders, okay? You have to start focusing on delegating and giving a clear focus to your staff what they need to do. The beauty of this is you are still small enough where you can give one-on-one direction to your leaders, right? You still have a hand in that process to directly tell them to coach them up to get them where they need to be okay you know why they say growth is hard because your cash flow sucks right everyone that's trying to grow is eating up cash flow part of that is staff if you don't have staff you can't grow but they eat up a bunch of your revenue so when you're in this growth phase everything you can do all resources not all right you have to manage staff, all the things I talk about, but you have to do everything you possibly can to grow that top line revenue. You grow that top line revenue and that growth phase, that staff member pays for itself, right? You're creating that. Do you have that in place? That's why, what are your goals? What are you doing to get patients in the chair? Are you spending money on marketing? Are you banging down doors of people at schools? Are you bringing people into the office? That's a growth phase. Are you crazy enough to go after that? Or are you just saying that's what you want to do, but not willing to do the things necessary to get the outcome that you want? All right? Focus on sales. More money is the only way to get you through growth phase. Then there's a scaling phase. And I'm going to be honest with you. I can give you perspective, but I haven't reached this point yet. Scaling, though, it comes down to being more strategic. You have less of that one-on-one time. You're pulling levers and kind of manipulating the process, but your leaders are doing the things they need to do. You're maximizing talent, and you have a well-oiled, you have a well-oiled machine that's operating because of the systems you have in place. Right? Now, all of this, if you take nothing else away, you are the problem. I am the problem. We are the leader of the ship. You can make it work with a lot of staff, with a little staff, if you schedule accordingly. But you know what happens? We get greedy or we get impatient. Either staff accordingly because you're willing to grow and you're in a growth phase, or schedule accordingly so you're not burning people out. Right? You have the control to do this. And if you don't, You're lying to yourself because everything goes on what you say. So I like to err on the side of being slightly inefficient and having more staff so I can grow. I also get better sleep at night. You can choose what you want to do, but you have to make that choice. We'll have more for you next week. I hope this helps you with some of your staffing issues. If nothing else, gives you food for thought, perspective on how you're going to handle your current situation. Let me know what I can do for you. We'll have more for you next week. All right, friends, a little office talk. Longer episodes, so I'm going to keep this short and sweet. One of the things I think that makes me a good business owner is that I show up every day willing to do the work. 
That's one of my superpowers is I can show up again and again and again. The Energizer Bunny, Groundhog's Day, ready to go to work. I'm going to be honest with you. I have told you, I've shared with you, I'm trying to get a space. I got a second chance and it fell through again. I literally don't know what I could have done different. I, I had to talk to my lawyer, my broker, like what was going on. And I found out this a day before my office meeting. My office meeting is about building trust, collaboration, just I needed to bring it to be there. And I got home, I was exhausted, ate dinner with my kids, told my wife, yeah, I'm just gonna lay in bed and kind of crash, crash real hard, woke up and I, I wanted to be in my fields. I wanted to be like, you know what, poor me, the world's against me, how am I ever gonna grow? I'm trying so hard. Forget that. Stop being a wimp. Life's hard. I'm in a great position. I am the leader of my office. They cannot see me in that that situation. They cannot see me in that way. And honestly, I don't have a right to feel that way. So you know what I did? I looked myself in the mirror, said, suck it up, buttercup. Let's go. Had a meeting. I think I had a great meeting. And by just consciously taking the initiative to forge ahead and choose to be happy, choose to accept that this will be a part of my story. I overcame. I feel better. It's good. I'm recording this literally the night of that feeling and I'm ready to go. So realize you have control. Anything that happens to you, you choose how you react. You can choose anger. You can choose, you know, pity, sorrow, choose to be happy. I choose happiness. I choose to keep moving forward. We'll have more office talk for you next week. Where or oh where has the time gone? We're to the closing thought of the episode. And today, I'm going to hit you up with a little bit of wisdom from Mr. Moon from Sing 2. And he says, dream big dreams. What can I say? Sometimes it's as simple as three little words. Dream big dreams. Are you dreaming big enough or are you putting yourself in a box? We are all to some extent the goldfish in the fishbowl. The bigger the bowl, the bigger you can be. The sky is the limit. What one man can do, another can do. Never put limits on yourself. Keep shooting higher. You'll be surprised at how far you get 10 years down the road if you keep aiming higher. And honestly, you're probably not aiming high enough. I'll leave you with that. Mr. Moon, sing to Sing one, sing two. I'm not going to lie to you. Great movies. Inspirational. Check it out if you want a little uh, music and motivation for you. That's what I have for you. Dr. Lily out.